are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We're going to talk about resetting our passion. Someone say passion. Everybody in here has passion for something. Hmm? And so let's play a quick game. I need to warm you up because I need a little more feedback than normal today. Okay? So we need to warm you up. Let's play this quick game. And, and when you see something on the screen that you're passionate about, give me an oh yeah. Okay? Can we practice? One, two, three. Oh yeah. Oh, you're sounding good today. So let's see the first item that pops up on the screen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Testify of the Lord's goodness and his grace and mercy. Oh, yeah, promised land food, manna from heaven falling down with pepper, little pepper. Oh, Jesus. Next one, next one. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Come on, Colts fans. All right, next one. Here we go. Cars. How many car fans do I have in here? Truck fans, Jeep fans. Come on. How many are into cars, working on them, shining your car, keeping it clean? My dad in the spring and summer will wash his car every week. My Lord. He's shining that thing up, but I, I like me a nice Corvette. There's a few of them there. All right, next one, guys. Hunting. How many hunters do I have in here? Come on. That, you missed your cue. One, two, three. Hunters. There we go. You like to kill some things, right? Come on now. All right, here we go. Next one. Working out. Oh, we got some physically fit people in the house. All right. Here we go. Next one. Reading. How many love reading and learning? Come on. Where are my readers at? Yeah, there's a few of you in here that passed college. The rest of us failed. (laughs) Praise God. All right. Next one. Here we go. Oh, yeah. We just had to do it again because we're on a fast. That was awesome. Good job, Media T. Good job. All right. We got a few more. How many are passionate about your spouse? I know it's not Valentine's Day yet, but it's coming up. I'm going to give the men another opportunity just to be on the good chart because in two, three weeks, you're going to have to be getting something lined up. Men on three. One, two, three. All right. A little kissy kissy. All right. Next one. Here we go. How many love your Nothing. Kids? It should have been a few kids up on the screen. Did we not get that slide? So how many love your kids? Come on, somebody say. Oh, yeah. When they mind you, you love them. But uh, see, everybody's passionate about something. And maybe I didn't hit your passion button on a few of those things, but if we could keep going all day and we would find something. Take the pizza down, my God. My God, people. We're not taking communion with it today. You're tempting me. Here's the truth. Here's our main thought. Whatever you're passionate about gets your time, energy, focus, and finances. You ever notice that? Whatever you're passionate about gets your time, energy, focus, and finances. 
Have you ever met someone and within the first 10, 20 seconds, you could tell what they're passionate about, right? Why? Because whatever you're passionate about, you talk about. You get excited about, right? Within a few seconds, you can tell what somebody is passionate about. Yesterday, on part of the day, I was laying on the couch watching college basketball. I love college basketball. I believe that it's better than pro basketball because the guys aren't getting paid, and they're more passionate about it when they play. I love watching IU win, and they won yesterday, praise God. Butler won yesterday in overtime, praise God. But I was, I was watching all these college games. There was a lot of great games on yesterday. And, and I was flipping through, and I turned on the one game, and here they're showing the crowd, and there's two guys, and they're in a full suit of bacon. I mean, just from head to toe, they're, they're a piece of bacon. And I guess one of the players, his last name was Bacon. And uh, so they were showing them. And, you know, when you're passionate about something, you'll do some crazy stuff. You ever seen some of those guys? I mean, I've been to Assembly Hall. I watch IU play. And, you know, some of those college students, they are crazy. I mean, they'll paint their face. They'll paint their stomach. It's just, it's just wild when they are passionate about their team. You will do crazy stuff when you're passionate about something. You ever notice that in life? Passion is something that all of us have in our lives. Passionate about our kids. We're passionate about our family. We're passionate about working out. We're passionate uh, about building a legacy. But one thing we should be passionate about is the things of God. How many times do we think when it comes to church that we should have less passion for the things of God? But no, as we see today, God expects us to have more passion for, the, for, the, for his house and for the things found in his word. Passion is described as this, simple Webster's de- definition, any powerful emotion or appetite. Someone say appetite. It's also described as the object of love or desire, boundless enthusiasm, passion. Notice passion is an appetite. Someone say appetite. How's your appetite? Furthermore, how is your appetite for the things of God? How is your appetite for the things of God? Matthew 5, 6, Jesus is preaching his Sermon on the Mount. It's known as the Beatitudes. It's known as the message where he puts the, uh, the right attitude and the right thought and the right spiritual structure in the lives of his disciples as he climbs up that hill and he gives them these, these beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. Amen? And he goes on and on. But he also says this. Blessed are those who what? Who what? Hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. So the opposite is true. If you're not hungry and thirsty for the things of God, right living, that's what the word righteousness means, then you will go what? Empty. Empty. You ever met someone in church and it just seems like they're empty? Like they're going through the motions real good, but they're just empty. Like they show up and they lift their hands once in a while, but there's just no passion in their life. There's no passion in their conversation. Jesus is telling us the passion will be stirred up when you have an appetite for right living, when you have an appetite to follow me, when you have an appetite for my 
house, I will never deny you, you will be filled. Someone say, you will be filled. So the question today is, what are you hungry for besides pepperoni pizza? What are you hungry for? Where's your appetite? Are you building your life on a hunger and passion for temporal things that will one day fade away? Huh? Are you hungry for success so much that it's number one on your passion list? Are you hungry for titles and positions that your appetite feeds that? That all you think about, all you every day, all you're consumed with is climbing the corporate ladder, getting that position, getting that certain salary? What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for a new house so much so that you'll put other things off to the side because you're so passionate about getting a new house? Are you hungry for acceptance so much that you'll forfeit character and integrity? What are you hungry for? What everybody in here is hungry for something. Are you so hungry for friends that you'll compromise your convictions to get friendship? What, what, where's your appetite? You have an appetite for something, friends. All of us do. Are you hungry? What, maybe some of you, your appetite is simply complacency and status quo. You ever think about that? Some people are comfortable with staying the same. Some people are comfortable with not growing anymore in God. Well, I've been saved 30 years and I've seen it all. Really? Really? I don't think we've even scratched the surface of what God wants to do in this church, in our city, in this nation. I believe our greatest days are ahead of us no matter what the news says. But some people are satisfied with the status quo so they don't move and they sit in that complacency. Hmm? What, what are you hungry for? All, all these things that I mentioned, they can be great in your life, but they cannot be foundi- foundational pieces that you build on. Only Christ can be at the foundation. God has to be first in our lives, and until we put him first, we're going to have this tension, we're going to have this struggle on just getting by in life, and we're not going to fully walk out the purpose, presence, and plan that God has for our life. He wants to be. He said, Jesus Christ first, the foundation. So let's go to our text today and pull out a few truths. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 2. Yes, we're going to the book of Revelation today. Somebody say, ooh, ah. Come on, you need to work on those. We're going to go to the book of Revelation. Let me give you some context before we dive into this. John is the writer of the book of Revelation. John is exiled on the island of Patmos. He was a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. John wrote the book of John, an account of the gospel, that is in the Gospels, the last account uh, of Jesus' life. Then John wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and now we find him pinning the book of Revelation by inspiration of Jesus Christ himself. He met with him on that island and told him of the things to come. Someone say the things to come. One of the things in the first part of book, the book of Revelation is there are seven letters to seven different churches. Seven letters to seven different churches, and Jesus begins to diagnose and unveil to John their spiritual condition. It's almost as these letters were written for us today, and they were. 
they were. These are letters that challenge us as a body of believers, as a church, and as Christ followers. So let's look. Revelation chapter 2. Are you there? Are you looking at the screen? I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. You have not grown weary, but, someone say but, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Understand that John is speaking to this church of Ephesus and by inspiration of Jesus himself and we see that he tells them some things that they're doing good as a church. He tells them you've been patient with those who've attacked you, those who have criticized you, and those who have come against the vision that you have as a church. You've stood in hard times. You didn't allow false teachers in. That's a good thing. You declared my name as the only way to salvation. That's a good thing. But one thing. Someone say one thing. That love, that passion that you once had when you first encountered me, I need you to get that back. I I, I need you to go back. You've left that. You haven't lost it because there's a difference between losing something and refinding it. He said you left it. So I haven't lost it. I don't know. It's not that I don't know where it's at. No, no, if you left it, you can go back and get it. Stay with me today. So it's not been lost. It's still somewhere. That love, that passion that you had, I need you to go back to that, and I need you to put that passion back in its place. The title of my talk today is Put Your Passion Back in its place. Say that with me. Put your passion back in its place. Put it back. Some of you have misplaced your passion for God in his house. It's time at the beginning of the year as we're resetting, as we're going back to the original design and purpose of our lives, it's time for you to go back and grab that passion that you once had. Three things. Three proofs of passion today. Number one, the proof of passion is in the pursuit. Can you say that with me? The proof of passion is in the pursuit. As I was thinking about this statement, I went back to when I preached my first message was right here in this place. And for those of you who had to endure that, I apologize But it was right here that I preached my first message, right out of my first year of Bible college, came home, and dad said, you're going to preach. And I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. And I preached a message entitled, 
It's all about Jesus. Some of you remember it. Brother Victor and Bossoms. You guys were here and you had to endure this young whippersnapper who uh, didn't know much about the word but was up here going crazy, pacing back and forth, not making too much sense. And I was thinking about this. Even though I didn't have much biblical knowledge at that point, even though I didn't stay to the context of the scripture, one thing I had was passion. You couldn't deny that. You couldn't deny that I had passion, and, and, and you couldn't deny that there was something that changed my life. There was a transformation that took place. For those of you who knew me in my BC days, before Christ, you knew that God had got a hold of this young man who had went his way into drugs and alcohol and living a crazy life all through high school. You knew that something had happened. And there was a passion that ignited within me. Now, in my pursuit of after Christ, I admit I've failed at, failed at a lot of things. But it's in those moments that I have to go back and I have to look at the reason I became a Christ follower. Hmm? John is writing to this church and he's saying, listen, done some great things as a church. Come a long way. But there's one thing I need you to do. I need you to go back to the reason the church exists. I need you to go back to that first love that you once had. I know in my life, there's times of valleys that we all go through, and it's in those times that sometimes I'll just take a trip back and look at the reason that I got saved and, you know, how I was when I first got saved and that zeal and that fire that I had. And I'll say, my God, have I lost some of that? I, I need to go back to my first love when, 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 when him forgiving my sins was a big deal and now it becomes common to me that, that Jesus did die in my place, that this isn't some Disney fairy tale, that this did happen. Though my sins were great, his love was greater. This did happen, that I was in the pit of sin and death and destruction and he pulled me out of that pit. This did happen. Sometimes we've got to go back. Because we're saved for 10, 15, 20 years, sitting in church all holy and sanctified like God ain't never did nothing for our life, like we've spiritually arrived. He said, no, 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 no. You're doing a lot of things great, but this one thing I have against you, go back. You lost something. Or you didn't lose it. You left it. You left it. And if you left it, you can go back and get it. Someone say, put your passion in its place. Those who hunger and thirst will be filled. Are you in pursuit of God? Are you in pursuit of God? On a, not, not on Sunday. Anybody can act like they're in pursuit of God on a Sunday. Is, is he your God on Monday? Is he who you go after on Tuesday? On Wednesday and Thursday? Come on now, when, when the worship team's not singing. Come on now, when I'm not preaching. Is, is he who you're in pursuit after? Huh? Because, because if you're in pursuit of other things in this life, it's going to leave you empty and hollow and with a void. But God says, listen, seek me first 
and my kingdom, then all these things will be added. But when we seek things first, it's out of proper order. Oh, God doesn't mind that you have things. He minds that things have you. And so he wants to be first in our lives. And so the, passion, the proof of passion is in pursuit. Is in pursuit. Are you in pursuit of God? The church is a place for passion. God's people are a people of passion. Yeah. Church people are funny. They say all the time, well, I just don't think it takes all that. You're right. It doesn't take all that. It takes way more than that. Well, I just don't know, you know, coming to church this much and and giving to the church and serving. I just don't know if it takes all that. You're right. It doesn't take all that. It takes all that and more. Well, I just don't know if we, we, sh- we should really get that loud. And I don't know if we should lift our hands and, 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 and shout and sing. And, and I, I don't know if it takes all that. Hmm? No, it doesn't take all that. It takes all that and more. Hmm? And, and then you got people, well, that's just not my personality. Funny. I didn't know passion had a personality. Funny. Well, I'm an introvert. Let all the extroverts worship. And get loud. I just want to stay behind the scenes. Really, because when you went to your son's game, you were throwing popcorn, arguing with the rest, wanting to fight moms and dads. You're passionate about something. You mess with little Johnny or Susie, come on now. A spirit will rise up out of you, and it ain't Holy Spirit. It's mama bear spirit. Don't touch my kids. Huh? Oh, you're passionate about something. Passion doesn't have a personality. No, 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 no. So, so when you realize what Christ has done, you can't help but to be excited about it. Some of you have just left it. You got to go back and get it. You're here, but you're not here. And we look at you like, what's your problem? We're going out of our minds worshiping. I'm down there on the front row having hot flat. I'm so hot right now, I'm sweating through my shirt. I have a fever, everything. But when they sang that song, something about the name, something rose up within me and overcame whatever I felt like, and my hands went up because there is something about the name of Jesus. You just got to go back to what you left. No one took it from you. You left it. You left it. No one took it from you. You didn't lose it. You left it. Go back and get it. Put your passion back in its place. Stir up the pot. If you want to make homemade cookies, you don't take the eggs out and put them on the counter. You don't take the chocolate chips and put them on the counter. You don't take the milk and put them on the counter and say, well, we're going to make cookies, kids. Let's watch the cookies come into formation. Let's watch them. No, what do you do? You put the eggs in the bowl. You put the chocolate chips in the bowl. You put the flour, whatever you're putting in it. You put M&Ms if you're like me. Come on, somebody. You put Hershey Kisses, all kinds of stuff in that bowl. And you take a spoon, a wooden spoon that mama and daddy beat the backside with. Come on now. And you begin to stir it up. You begin to stir it up doesn't happen because you want it to happen. It happens when you take the wooden spoon yourself and stir it. You haven't lost it. You just left it. Go back and get it. What are you pursuing? The proof of passion is in pursuit. 
David said, passion for the house burns within me. So David said, I, I have a zeal for God's house and it has consumed me. And let me just say this, passion isn't about being the loudest. Because some of you are too loud and you need to shut up because you're distracting. It's not about being the loudest. It's not about being the loudest. Okay? Some people think, well, if I'm the loudest, if I shout the loudest, if I do this, then everybody will see that I have passion. No, we see your false passion. It's not about being the loudest all the time. Okay? It's a zeal. It's a fire. It comes out in conversation. It comes out when you're at the job. Let me just say this. If your coworkers don't know that you love Jesus, then you've left your passion. If you're not an example for them and you're, in, in, and you're engaging in their dirty jokes and you're engaging in the movie they watched last night that you know isn't godly, come on, and you're engaging in their party lifestyle, guess what? You left it. You left it. It's back there. Go get it. He said, I have someone against you. You're doing a lot of great things in the church, but you've left your passion. This is for somebody today. I crawled out of bed with a fever for somebody today. They were working so hard in the church of Ephesus. They were doing all these things right. But Jesus said, the main thing you've left. Church, listen, those of you who serve in this house, those of you who are leaders, you can work so hard in church. You can work so hard for the things of God. You can work so hard in God's house that you forget God himself. That, that, that you forget you left something. It's back there, he said. So number one, the proof of passion is in pursuit. Number two, is this okay today? Number two, the proof of passion is in perseverance. Say that with me. The proof of passion is in perseverance. Come on, you sound in, come on, one more time. The proof of Perseverance. It takes passion to stay put. If you don't hear anything, hear this point right here. Hear this. I came for this point right here. It takes passion to stay in that marriage and persevere through the hard times. It takes passion to stay planted in God's house and persevere and shake off and shrug off offenses and unforgiveness most people leave churches because of one thing and one thing alone hear this because it's going to try to come on you it comes on all of us is the word offense it's true they don't leave because god moved them they leave because of offense now they say a whole lot of other things well i'm just not getting fed Really? You're not getting fed? Let me, say, let, me, let me just say this. People say, well, the grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass is greener where you water it. The problem is you're not watering it. Huh? Huh? It, it takes passion to persevere, to be faithful in serving, to be faithful taking care of those little kids down there in the basement. It takes passion to be changing the dirty diapers in the nursery. It takes passion to show up every Saturday and clean God's house. 
It takes passion to stay put. Stay connected to God even when you don't understand. Some of you are here today because of one word, and that's called perseverance. You shouldn't even be alive today for all the hell you went through. How they used you, abused you, and messed up your life. You shouldn't even be in your right mind, but because you stood and you persevered, the proof of passion is in perseverance. You did not give up. Passion will kneel down in the garden of Gethsemane and say, I don't want to, but I will. But I will. Nevertheless, not my will, God, but your will be done. Listen, listen, church, listen. You don't have to encourage someone to stay somewhere that they love. When you have a love for God's house and you know where he planted you, we don't have to encourage those individuals. Just stay, just stay. No, because your love is for God and his house. Notice I didn't say for the perfect church, the perfect pastor. No, your love's not for that. Come on now. If you're looking for the perfect church, go down the road, and when you show up and you think you found it, boom, it becomes imperfect because of you. (laughs) Newsflash. Uh Huh? No, no, no. I I persevere because I'm planted. I'm planted. Like a tree by the river of living waters. And when the winds blow and the storms come, I'm planted because I know where God has put me. Proof of passion is in perseverance. David had passion. He didn't have much experience training, but he had passion. He said, I'll take this giant out. Everyone else on the line had the experience and the training. But David had a passion to persevere. He had a passion. Notice Jesus said, he did a lot of things right, but this one thing you abandoned. That was your first love. You left it. Notice that God does never leave us. We leave him. In my life, in times of dryness, I can look back and rewind and say, God, I, I really left you. You didn't leave me. I, I, and this is what Jesus is saying. Church, I need you to go back. You, you left it. It's not lost. It's not gone. But go back and get it and put your passion back in its place. Life is too short for you to go through it without passion. Number three. Number one, the proof of passion is in pursuit. Number two, the proof of passion is in perseverance. And we close with this. The proof of passion is in practice. Say that with me. The proof of passion is in practice. He says, remember where you have fallen. Re Repent and go back. That word re, that prefix means to do it again. Do it again. Re, 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 go back and repent. Church, can I tell you that passion takes practice? Go back and do it again. If you do what you did before, you can get what you left. Go back. And do it again. David sitting there 
And he persevered through a lot of thoughts. Imagine him on that field and taking care of the sheep and all eight of the other brothers are doing military training, got the best gear and esteemed by their father. And Here's David just persevering through. As he was persevering through, he said, well, I might as well practice because maybe one day, maybe one day, God will use me. Took out a slingshot, took out a few rocks and started practicing. Taking out the wolves and all the vicious animals that would try to come and steal his sheep. Started practicing. His brothers had all the training, all the education. David just had practice. David just had practice. So therefore, David was ready when Goliath showed up. Everyone else ran in fear. But here sits David ready. Why? Because he practiced passion. See, worship time is a time that we practice worship. We practice what heaven's going to be like. If you can't worship on earth, heaven's not going to be a fun place for you. You know that you can practice being thankful? Some of you are the most ungrateful, complaining people I've ever met in my life. We ask you, how you doing? Well, there's a whole lot of wells in your life. I mean, my God, find one good thing. You woke up this morning. You have all your teeth in your mouth. I don't know. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you lost a few. Find one good thing. I tell my kids all the time about being thankful, about what God has blessed them with. When someone does something for you, you, you be thankful. You thank them for that gift. You thank them for buying your meal, whatever it is. And we're practicing being thankful in our house all the time. Someone brings you something, a glass of water, whatever it is. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Some of you need to start practicing being thankful. Because you're ungrateful. And you wonder why God's blessing doesn't overtake your life. Huh? Well, you didn't want to hear that part. You know that you can practice joy? You can wake up in the morning even on Monday morning tomorrow, and you can practice being joyful. You can look yourself in the mirror and say, self, it's going to be a good day. Self, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And you can practice yourself into a joyful day. Instead of looking yourself in the mirror, coming down from brushing your teeth and saying, ah, that's scary. Huh? You can, you can practice You know you can practice giving? Say, man, I can never be a giver. I can never give generously. It starts with the little. Can you buy someone a dollar cup of coffee? Can you pay it forward at the gas station? Can you pay it forward at a restaurant? It starts with, you can practice generosity. Huh? The proof of passion is in the practice. Now listen to this, and I close. Second closing. David, as a kid, he ran to the line of battle. But as a man, he stayed home during the battle. As a kid, 
He had great passion in his heart. But then as an adult, as he grew older, his passion began to wane. And the Bible says that in the time when kings go to battle, David stayed home. David stayed home. What happened? His passion got out of place. His passion got out of place. And Psalms 51 describes this tension and David finds himself and he's saying, God, I I used to have the passion. I used to be on fire for you. What happened? I've fallen into sin. I messed up my life. I messed up the life of another family. He begins to cry out to God and he, he begins to declare, restore unto me. There's that re again, that prefix. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Let me go back to the reason I came to know Christ. Let me go back, restore that joy that I once had when I gave my heart and life to you. Hmm? Da- David, David was ready to get his passion back. He was ready to put it back in its place. How many times do we, after we get the position, the promotion, we find ourselves without the passion? Hmm? It's almost like our prayer request now becomes our complaint. It's almost like the things we prayed for for years, the things we believed for for years, you believed for your family to be saved and they're all in church, but now it's your complaint. It's almost like our prayer request turns into our complaints after we get it because we left our passion. David said, I need to go back. I need to go back. I've messed up. I've gotten out of place. God created me a clean heart. I want my passion back. Notice this. David did not say, I want my position back. I want my title back. He said, I want my passion back. I want that love back. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. I want that back. I I don't need titles and positions. I want that passion back. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball, you've taken some wrong turns, you've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.